to be in Hebrews 4 today. We finished up Hebrews 3 a couple of weeks ago. Took a little break. We're going to be in Hebrews 4 today. Another big section. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. In Hebrews chapter 3, we had shifted gears. first two chapters were predominantly about Jesus being better than the angels. The author of Hebrews switches in Hebrews chapter 3 to say, okay, and Jesus is better than Moses. And, and he alluded to this idea of the high priest, which the author of Hebrews is going to soon spend much time on. But then just as he kind of introduces us to that idea, he kind of shifts gears. He kind of he says, oh, by the way, and let me just throw this in here before I move on to the next thing. And that's the last thing that, that we were looking at. At the end of chapter 3, we see that the author of Hebrews references Psalm 95. Now, what you will see throughout the book of Hebrews repeatedly is Old Testament references. We have seen a ton of them, and we're only three chapters in. The author of Hebrews continually goes back to the Old Testament time and again and again and again. And so that's what we have, have seen up to this point. And that's what we see in the passage that we're looking at today. We saw it some at the end of chapter 3 when he referenced Psalm 95. Psalm 95 talked about the days of the Israelites when they were freed from slavery in Egypt and they were wandering around the wilderness. And as they were wandering around the wilderness, they were, for the most part, a bunch of disobedient people. They did not listen to God. They complained, and it was just a rough rough go of it. God said, I've given you the promised land. And he sent some, some guys out to scope it out. And they came back and said, hey, wait a minute. It's kind of tough there. There's some big folks there. And and all the spies that went to scope it out, they said, look, we better not go in there. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, yep, we're going in there because God has said this is our land, so we don't need to worry about what's there. We just need to go take it. Well, that, that, that generation, other than Joshua and Caleb, were disobedient, and God said, okay, well, because you did not listen to me, you're not going to enter the rest of the promised land. That's a key thing, a key theme that we see here at the end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, this idea of rest. And the author of Hebrews, Hebrews is using that example for his audience here, saying, hey, look, look at the people of old. What was the problem with them? The scripture says that they were disobedient and they lived in, in unbelief. Those were the things that it says were the problem with this generation that wandered in the wilderness. Now, we understand that if we apply that spiritually, the idea of, of wandering in a wilderness, to be in a spot where, where food is scarce, and you're always on the go, and you're out in the elements, and you're thirsty, and there's, there's not enough provision, there's, there's no comfortable place you can settle. We can apply that very literal thing that happened in kind of a spiritual sense. Or, or even in our lives today, we can use that same idea that the people of Moses' day were in the wilderness, and as a result, they missed the rest of God. They did not get to enter into God's rest. And so the author of Hebrews has told us at the end of chapter 3, look, don't make that same mistake. Do not harden your heart as they did. And he quotes that from Psalm 95. Now, the reason he uses Psalm 95 instead of quoting from the other Old Testament passage that, that, that covers that in detail when it actually happened 
is because, and we will see this today, is there was a specific word we looked at a couple of weeks ago, and that is today. He was saying, okay, in the past, God's people missed God's rest. But in Psalm 95, David says, today you can still enter God's rest. And so the author of Hebrews would build on that. Today, there's still an opportunity to enter God's rest. That is, as long as there are people on this earth and they hear the good news that God is telling them, that he wants to provide for them and bring them salvation and deliverance, if we enter into that good news, we enter into the rest of God. But if we reject the good news of God, the promises of God, then we miss out on that rest. And the author of Hebrews is telling them this because his audience are in danger of missing the rest of God. They're, they're being tempted to turn from the teachings of the Scripture, the teachings of Jesus, from faith in Jesus, and go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And he's telling them, don't, don't go back to those ways. There's no rest in that. There is rest in Christ who has been crucified for you. So that's a little bit of a background from a couple of weeks ago, since it's been a couple of weeks, and maybe some of you weren't here. So we'll know what we're talking about when we look at this first verse that we're fixing to get into. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would find rest in you today. God, there may be some in this church that are sitting on these pews. And God, they are worn out. They are worn out from life. They are worn out from sickness. They are worn out from work. They are worn out from, from family. They are worn out from church. They are worn out from sin. They are wore out, dear Lord. There are some that probably came into this room today and they're wandering around as though their life is a wilderness, God. But I pray today that you would, you would help them to see Jesus Christ through your word, that they would find rest in you today, God. Maybe that's what they've been looking for, and I pray, God, that they would find it today because if they don't find it in Jesus, dear Lord, they will not find it in any other. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and, and preach and teach to us, dear Lord, today. Help me with the words that come from my mouth, that they be words that are from you and for your glory. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, that therefore is based on everything we just kind of talked about. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. Okay, this is good for us today. This is not just good for the audience that this was written to. This is good news for us because there are some of us today in life and we are tired. We are tired. Life is hard. The world is tough. And there are some today who are looking for rest and I suspect some in this very room. And I want to tell you today the same thing that the author of Hebrews has been building up to is Jesus is better than all that this world has to offer and it is only in Jesus that we can find rest. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, you have not missed it today. If you're here today and you're hearing the word of God, perhaps the Holy Spirit is convicting <coughs> you today and you're saying, I need rest. I want to tell you the promise to enter God's rest still exists for us today through Christ and Christ alone. So therefore, while the promise to enter his rest is there, let us not miss it, he says. Let us, let us fear God. Let us, let us fear that we do not miss the promise. Because what is there for us if we miss the promised rest of God? There is no rest. 
If we miss the only source of rest that is Jesus Christ, there will be no other rest that is going to come in your life. And so the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, while the promise to enter still remains, enter. That may be what God's calling some of you to today. The Holy Spirit, He may have been working on you for weeks, for months, for years. He may have been working on you before you ever came today. And I want you to know today that the promise to enter is here. We see it in the Word of God. Today, we see the promise. So don't miss the promise today. He continues on. Verse 2, For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. So he's referencing those folks in the Old Testament that were in unbelief, that were disobedient. And what does he say? He said, they heard the good news. What was the good news for them? The good news for them was is that God was bringing them out of slavery and he was bringing them to a promised land in which they could rest in the presence and security of God. That was the good news to them. Now, remember, the Old Testament, it's always foreshadowing. It's always pointing us forward with the things that it does and the way things are set up to Jesus, how Jesus will come and accomplish and fulfill those things that were spoken of. And so even in this story, it is a shadow of the rest to come. In their day, it was a physical land they were going to go, go to. But even that idea of God delivering his people out of slavery and into a promised land of rest, even that is foreshadowing what is to come through Jesus Christ. So he says of those in the wilderness, they heard the good news, but they... Excuse me, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Now, why, why in the world, if God had spoken to them and made promises to them and told them he was going to bring them into the land and didn't have nothing to fear God was going to be with them, why in the world, if they heard the good news that God brought them, why is it that it says the message they heard did not benefit them? The reason... It's because they did not believe it in faith, as we see, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith, okay? So there were some who were faithful. There are some who hear the message of God, who hear the good news of God, who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they accept it in faith, and they are united with others who have accepted that in faith. But what does the author of Hebrews says? He says, wait a minute now. Those who had faith, yeah, they entered into the promised land, but... Most of them didn't. Why? Because of, their, because of their disbelief. Now think about that. These are people who really had an experience with God greater probably than you and I have ever experienced God. I mean, you think about the, the plagues that they saw in Egypt and the, they, the parting of the Red Sea, that God parted a sea in front of them. All the things that God had done that was miraculous and they heard the good news of God that he presented to them and yet they did not have faith in that. Do we do the same thing? Perhaps there are some here today. And for years you've come to church. For years you've read God's word. And maybe you even know it pretty good. Maybe you've experienced God through his word in some way, shape, or form. But have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you just, do you know the word of God and are not living by it? There's no question that these people that, that died in the wilderness, they knew the promises of God. The problem was they failed to live by them. They refused to live by them. Let us not be those people today. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Don't be like them because they heard the good news and they rejected the good news. 
And yet there are probably some in this room today who have heard the good news multiple times and yet they have rejected the good news. Don't be that person today. Hear the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven and that Jesus could give you rest. That's what the author of Hebrews says. But he says, look, some of these missed it because they did not believe it with faith. Now, we're going to kind of read this next section. It's a big section. It's a little bit confusing, but we'll kind of read it as a whole, and then we'll talk about maybe what it means. All right, verse 3. For we who have believed enter the rest. Now, this next part of this sentence probably is better if you kind of, if you kind of read it in line with the, with the end of, of verse 2. Now, in, in, mine, in my translation, and maybe yours too, in verse 3, that first part of it's kind of bracketed off. It, it kind of follows, okay, and those who heard in faith, uh, for we who have believed enter uh, his rest. Okay, so we're like those in the Old Testament who heard with faith. If we have faith, we enter his rest. But some didn't. And those some that didn't, now he goes back to reference Psalm 95 in the middle of verse 3. In keeping with what he said... So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage he says, They will not enter my rest. Since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, again he specifies a certain day. Today, speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay, now he is really pounding home Psalm 95 here. He, we saw it referenced a couple times last week in those, or excuse me, a couple of weeks ago and those few verses at the end of chapter 3, and here he goes. He just continues to pound that, that whole uh, concept of, of not entering his rest. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. Now, he kind of shifts gears here. He's given one example in the Old Testament about the people entering into the rest of God, or should we say most of the people not entering to the rest of God other than the few faithful. And so he's, he's using these Old Testament scriptures to bring out the concept of rest and the importance of rest and resting in God. And then he shifts gears and he begins to talk about the Sabbath day, that God created everything in six days and on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day, he rested from all of his works. Not, not to be confused with the idea that God has rested and is no longer involved in anything in this world. I think it's pretty clear through Scripture that yes, God rested from his works, and that's exactly what the scripture says, his works of creation. Uh, but God is not just, God said, okay, let everything be, and I'm just going to sit back and let everything else happen. Now, some would hold that view. But it's pretty clear throughout scripture that God is still at work. Uh, I suspect that probably everybody in this room could give an example of how God has worked in your life in some way. And so God rested from the works of creation, but God is still very much involved. Now, I don't believe that the author of Hebrews here is trying to make any kind of argument or make anything of the Sabbath day necessarily. I think he's simply using this as an example. He says, hey, the first example, there are people that didn't enter God's rest. But look, God rested. 
God rested from his works. And there's some significant in the fact that God rested in his works. And if God has rested, we should desire to rest with him in some way, shape, or form. And so what does he say? He keeps on hammering home Psalm 95. And he says again, again, in verse uh, 7, again, he specifies a certain day, today. Now, that's why I believe that the author of Hebrews continues to pull on Psalm 95. Because David in Psalm 95 references the story of, the, of those in the wilderness who didn't enter God's rest. And he tells them at the beginning of the psalm, right before that, look, we are God's sheep and in the sheep in God's pasture. What beautiful imagery that David uses there. Similar to what we see in Psalm 23, that, that we're like sheep and we are laid down in green pastures and we are, we are led beside the still waters. What beautiful imagery of God being our shepherd and we being the sheep. And that's the same imagery that David is using in Psalm 95 right before he says, that's what you need to enter into. Now, that's what we want to enter into, right? We want to enter into a place that is peace and secure and tranquil. And David says, okay, that's, that's the presence of God. We as the sheep of God uh, enter into the presence of God as his sheep, and he shepherds us and, and takes care of us. And then David goes on to say in Psalm 95, therefore, today, do not harden your hearts like those in the past. David writes about the joy of, of thanksgiving to the Lord and the goodness of God. And then he says after that, but don't miss it. It's a beautiful thing to be in the rest of God, to be a sheep in the flock of God, but don't miss it. There were some in the past that missed it, David says, but don't miss it today. That is to say, there's still a rest that remains. There's more to the rest of those who entered into the promised land than just that time. It was speaking of a better rest. And the author of Hebrews says David acknowledges that there's a better rest to come. And so he says, look, we need to seek that better rest. And where is that better rest? That better rest is found in God, who himself has rested. And what has he rested from? He rested from the works of his creation. And so there was a time that God had works that needed to be done. But there also came a time that God rested from those things. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, look, we need to rest in the Lord. He continues on in verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So Joshua is the one who ultimately led the people into the promised land. Moses didn't lead them in, but it was Joshua who was one of the faithful who said, hey, look, let's go in and take it. That's whom God chose to lead his people into the promised land. But the story didn't end there. Yeah, those people went in, and those people received that rest that was offered at that point in time. But the author of Hebrews says, but there's something better. There's something better than what Joshua gave them. Oh, what a great thing it was that they were taken out of slavery. They were taken to a land that was their own. But for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So that is to say the rest that Joshua gave the people was not the real rest that they desired. Now, you and I rest from time to time. We may lay down and we may take a nap or we may go on vacation and we may, we may get rest and we understand the importance of that rest. And if you don't, you should. We understand rest in some fashion, but, but quite frankly, that's not the, the rest that we really look for. The rest that we really look for is the rest to 
be away from this world and all of its toils and all of its snares and all of its troubles and all of its sin and all of its temptation and death and sickness and sadness, all of those things. That's what we really long to rest from. Now, God gives us some rest in this life, but the ultimate rest we look for is is rest that allows us to escape from all of the things of this world. And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Hey, look, they did not find their rest in Joshua. There was another day that was spoken of. David spoke of that day. And the author of Hebrews says, and that day still is here. I speak of that day. And who does he speak of of that day? Well, he's told us in the first three chapters. He's speaking of Jesus, that Jesus gives us a better rest. That's what we see continually through the book of Hebrews, of how Jesus is better than all these things in the Old Testament. He's better, he's better, he's better. And here he says, Jesus is going to offer you a better rest. Verse 9, Therefore a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his who excuse me, for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Now, I think when he says there a Sabbath rest, and there would be some who would certainly disagree with this, again, I don't think he's speaking necessarily of, of, of the Sabbath day in particular. He's simply using this as an example, that God entered into rest and that we need to enter into rest from, with God. What does he say? God rested from his works. Now, part of the problem for the Hebrew audience here is they grew up under the sacrificial system in the temple and all those things. And that was their temptation. As we go through the book, they're tempted to go back to the old way. And so what they are trying to do, in essence, is earn God's grace by their works. And perhaps that's part of what he means here when he's talking about you need to rest from your works. Perhaps part of what he's saying is don't go back to the old way and try to earn God's favor by your works, not by the sacrificial system, not by anything else because your works will not save you. And that's a good word for us to think of today. Our works will not save us. That is not what impresses God. We can't impress God with our works. He's not impressed if we come to church every Sunday. He's not impressed if we never miss Sunday school. He's not impressed if we give the most money in the offering plate. He's not impressed with how long we can pray or how well we can dress. God is not impressed with those things if we do not do them from a heart that loves God. What God desires of us is a heart that loves him and seeks him, a heart that has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that is how we earn the grace of God, through the works of Jesus Christ and not through our works. You can do all the good works you want to, but if you're doing them for yourself and you're not doing them with a good heart and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, your works will not save you. But praise the Lord, today I'll tell you that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified and resurrected, is a work that is worthy to save you of your sins today, and that is how we receive the grace of God. And so perhaps when he says here, you need to rest from your works Maybe that's what he's saying to this audience who wants to go back to doing works in an effort to be in good standing with God. The author of Hebrews says, no, you're in good standing through Christ, so don't give up on that. Don't turn away from what you know, what you've trusted in, in Jesus. 
For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Now, I think the rest of God that he's speaking of is, is kind of one of those situations where it's, a, it's already, but it's a not yet. That is, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, I think we can certainly say we find rest in God today. We, we find rest in God. That comes with putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and living by the word of God and knowing the goodness of God and the grace of God. There are some in here today that are at rest because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. However, even though we may be at rest in God today, we haven't fully experienced the rest of God that we are going to experience when we leave this old world. And we are transformed and we are made into a new creation. And we are with God for all of eternity. And our eyes are open and we see things fully in a way that we cannot see them now. And we see the fullness of God and who he is and the greatness of God and the joy of God and the grace of God. And we stand in his presence. What a great day of rest that will be. And so what does the author of Hebrews tell him? Let us make every effort. Let us make every effort. It requires some effort. It's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult as it was for the, for the Hebrew audience here. There are temptations that come. There are, there are hard times where it's hard to stand up for the Lord and to live for the Lord and to do the right thing. So it takes some effort on our part. And the author of Hebrews says it's worth the effort. Therefore, let us make every effort, he says, to enter that rest. We need to do all we can to listen to the word of God and live by faith and stand firm in faith on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us make every effort to enter that rest to say, look, life may be hard, but I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to question God. I am going to trust God because who else can I trust? Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. There's that word again. We saw that in chapter 3. We've seen it here in chapter 4, this idea of unbelief and disobedience. What's the contrast that he's making in these two chapters? He's saying you either believe with faith or you don't believe. For those who live in disbelief and disobedience, they don't enter the rest of God. But for those who believe and put their faith in Jesus Christ, there is a beautiful rest that you will find. So I ask you today, are you resting in Jesus Christ today? Perhaps there are some of you, you need rest and you do not even know you need rest. Perhaps some of us just need perhaps a little physical rest. But, but really what we need and what we desire more than anything is, is rest in our soul. You see, life is tough. Life is a struggle every day, day in and day out. There are the struggles and there are the pressures and there are the worries and there are the pains. There are all these things that we experience in our life and we just won't rest and we just won't rest. And sometimes those things, they pile on so much and so much and so much. You say you can't go any further and you say, I'm just, I'm just ready to give up. That's what people say sometimes. We've probably all been there. I'm just ready to give up. But I want to tell you today, if you're overwhelmed with the stresses and the struggles and the worries and the pain of this world, don't give up. 
but rest in Jesus. Some of you today are longing for rest. You're looking for rest. And I want to tell you today that it is found in Jesus. And so many times we say, I need rest, but I'm not getting it, so I'm going to give up. Well, maybe we're not getting it because we're looking for it in the wrong place. I want to tell you the right place to look today, and that is in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And I've said this verse a hundred times, and yet I will say it again. Y'all put it on my tombstone. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I don't know about you guys. I have to think about that verse a lot because this old world will wear you down. It will wear you down. Some of you came in here today and you probably didn't even want to come today because you were tired. And you said, I'd rather stay home and rest. But you have come today. And I pray that you have heard the word of God today. And I pray that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and find rest in him today. Praise the Lord if you didn't want to come and you came because maybe you'll find a better rest on that pew today than you would have ever found in your bed this morning. Our rest is found in Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So let us today make every effort not to live by our works, not to live by what we can do, but to seek the rest of Jesus Christ. Let us make every effort today to do that. Maybe there are some of you and you've already put your faith in Jesus, but you're not living for him. You're not making every effort to live for him. Today you need to do that. Maybe there are some and you came in here today and, and maybe, maybe you, you're not sure if you, if you walk with the Lord. You're not sure. You, you know you're tired. You know life is difficult. And maybe you say today, you know what? I've never rested in Jesus Christ. I pray today that you would repent of your sins, that you would come to Jesus Christ, that you'd put faith in him and make him the king of your life, that you would find a rest that you have been looking for, a rest that you cannot even imagine. But that rest only comes through Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good words. And God, I pray for this church. I pray for the ones who are here, dear Lord. Life is tough. I don't know everybody's struggles. I don't know what, what's going on. But, but God, I feel pretty safe to say that there are some in here this morning that are tired, God. They are tired of this world. They are tired of their job. They are tired of, of whatever the struggle may be. God, they're tired. God, I pray that that they wouldn't give up today. Maybe they're on the verge. Maybe they're on the edge. Maybe they say, I cannot go any further. God, I pray that they would go just a little further. They would go just a little further. They'd make their way all the way to the cross this morning, dear Lord, that they would find rest in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would never seek to earn your grace by our works. Dear Lord, we work for you because of your grace. But God, I pray that if there are some in here today that have never experienced your grace, maybe they've been trusted in their works, I pray today that they would repent. God, that we would trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross, the work that is finished, it is done, that we can rest in his work today, dear Lord. There is nothing we can add to what he has done. So let us find rest in Jesus today. God, I pray. I pray that if there are some that are struggling that need it, that today they'd make every effort to enter into that rest. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.